Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 15th of February 2012. For newcomers, go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com and help yourself to the free audios for download. There's hundreds and hundreds there to choose from and hopefully you'll glean some information of the big system, the real system that runs the world. We're post-democratic, have been for about a hundred years and uh, uh, the, the books and so on that I mention um, put out by the big players themselves, the globalists and their foundations uh, pretty well explain it all and I mention them all through the, the series of these audios. So help yourself to those and hopefully as I say you'll understand uh, the farce really of democracy, how it's used uh, to keep people quite happy and calm because you, you get to vote every five years or so and you think everything's going to change for your own good but it never does because you're living in a global agenda. Uh, massive money behind it and really no opposition because most folk don't, they're kept in the politics uh, you know, trap. Just vote for this guy or that guy and everything's going to be cosy. And it doesn't work out that way at all because everything's signed into treaties. Every country signs into treaties through the United Nations, all the different agreements, and they become basically taken as a form of law. So we're living through a planned society, a planned future. And why do you think they have all these different 2050 projects, 2060, etc.? That's all to do with a planned future. Remember, too, you are the audience that bring me to you. You can buy the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And uh, from the U.S. to Canada, you can use a personal check or an international postal money order, or you can use um, PayPal, or some people send cash. Across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and once again, you have PayPal. And I don't bring on guests, etc., So, because um, mainly guests are, are out there to, to sell things. It's, you know, you have, there's no radio without a business and all the companies have to have a business on the go because they don't get charity given to them it doesn't happen that way they don't get grants from the government they're not environmentalists they don't belong to foundations at least most of them and um, they don't get anything at all so it's up to you to keep these stations going because things are changing so quickly especially on the internet um, and more and more AM stations are, are being taken up by Patriot Radio 2 in case anything happens to the net. Although if they pass laws to forbid us speaking at all, that's really the end of it anyway. So that will eventually come sometime. All we can do is play it bit by bit and hope for the best. And always keep our eyes open. But as I say, what I do here is chronicle events as we go through them and match them up to the initial uh, speeches that were given at world meetings through World Federalist Societies, for instance, as one big organization, uh, the Trilateral Commission, uh, the Council on Foreign Relations, and the Royal Institute of International Affairs. These, these organizations are all across the world, they advise all governments, and um, they are also think tanks as well, working on every aspect of society. Uh, children, mental health, everything you can imagine, uh, the coming food shortages, 
all this kind of stuff, in, including the, the the cities that they want to pack for Agenda 21 uh, as they get all the folk off the rural areas that which they don't want anymore. That goes all the way back to Julian Huxley, and I read from his own book on the air that very part. He said he said there'll be very few folk left on the lands, and that was uh, echoed by the United Nations about a year or so ago, and I read this on the air too from their own website that said eventually there'll only be about 3% of people living on, on the land, and they will be extremely, extremely very wealthy, you see. It's not for the ordinary pros, as they call us. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're back cutting through the Matrix. And I, I spent yesterday talking about foundations mainly and how foundations rule the world. These are the guys who draft up even the treaties for the United Nations, these private foundations. And they, they've got hundreds of front groups working for them across the world. Each one has hundreds. Some foundations, these tax-free philanthropic organizations, as they call themselves, they actually fund maybe a hundred other foundations for other parts of this global agenda. Depopulation, uh, their wonderful utopia of the future, uh, their smart cities for themselves to live in, of course, at least for the middle management bunch, and, and the overcrowded old cities that will crumble as the people die off in the future. It's all part of the big scheme. They don't like humanity very much. And I'll even put a video up tonight to give you quotes uh, from different uh, eugenicists who belonged and, and some of them set up these organizations a long, long time ago, going back to Malthus and even before. So it's an ongoing uh, agenda ever since really that the hammering and hammering and hammering at the old system, which was primarily, um, it came out of a, no doubt about it, a feudal system. And then they give you this thing called democracy, which was a sham, because why would those who have power give it up to what they call the rabble? That's the people. They actually call them the rabble, you see. Lots of names for them. But um, they, 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 of course, eventually destroyed what was last of a Christian culture, which at least gave you a, a form of morality, whether you believed in it or not. That was the culture. It also gave us the laws as well. So cops couldn't just bash the heads in on people and taser them for fun, for instance. It gave you special rights, actually. It gave you human rights. But under the, again, the big foundations and the Earth Summit, the last Earth Summit, the animals got all the rights and we got nothing. We're just another animal, according to them. And we're not an endangered species because there's so many of us. Therefore, we have no rights at all. It just the elite ones have rights, you know. Just like, um, as I said yesterday, with David Suzuki, who is the, the, the icon of Canada for his animal talks to get the children into nature. He's actually a geneticist, and he, he said when he was a professor, he said that people are just maggots. And I, I put that link up last night for you to see for yourself. These are the guys they make into stars to, so that children grow up with them and follow them. And whatever the guy says, well, he, he's, he's a star, he's a celebrity, they follow his opinions. Most folks' opinions are really given to them all the time. And to be honest with you, I was also reading an article too about um, uh, them wanting to put more people in prison for different things and etc. Because it's a big business too, isn't it? But but also, um, I thought, you know, in prison you're going to find people who know more about what's going on in the world 
than the average person who listens to talk radio. Because street smart people, and these crooks generally are very street smart, they're sort of low-level psychopaths, a lot of them, the recidivist type, uh, they, they catch on immediately to the con. They, they always see the con behind anything, behind laws and everything, uh, uh, because they're con men themselves. And they, can, they certainly can give you an education on how the world really is. They're not fooled by wonderful speeches by politicians or anything like that. They know what's behind everything that's declared to the general public. But um, the general public, again, are, are they're still kind of half in and half out of fiction all the time. They're in a semi-hypnotic state as they watch fiction and then they watch the news. And even the news is turned into entertainment. And by design. The news, the mainstream news is entertainment. Is it? And now for entertainment, what's that got to do with news? Or sports? What's the sports got to do with the news either? At one time, believe it or not, people, you didn't get the sports on the news at all. You got one hour of news. Didn't mean it was the truth, but it was news. And, um, and eventually on a Saturday, the sports would come on, and that's what you got on Saturdays. And I was into everything, and then, then they started to add entertainment to it. Uh, like it's so important to the next movie. What's that got to do with the news? Things that affect you and I and life itself. And now sports and entertainment are all throughout the news. So our minds are guided all the time. And why do you think every station is identical? A he and a she sit together and he'll say a, a, a sentence and then she'll reply with a sentence and all this nonsense. They're all the same format because this works apparently with people. And... Um, there's the man will listen to the man, the woman will listen to the woman, and they try to capture everybody uh, so that they can give you good lies and, and so that you believe it. And all the news comes from a couple of major sources. Uh, Rockefeller, uh, Rothschilds, I should say, started up the Reuters. They own it, and you've got another one as well. So you're, you're given all, all, all the other media picks up from the main two sources, basically, really one source and actual facts. So we're, we're completely controlled, and unfortunately the internet's going the same way, uh, with, uh, draconian laws coming out, coming out, and more on the tables for coming out later. Now, getting back to foundations, a long time ago, uh, even before the 20th century, uh, these foundations were on the go. I mentioned last night that Adam Weishaupt himself said that, said they would change the world, by guiding governments through by through philanthropists, charitable foundations. That's what he meant. Old idea, because it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old, that idea. And, of course, when you think of a charity, you think, well, you always think of a, I don't know, the Salvation Army or something. You never think of charities as being involved in serious stuff and high politics, but that's exactly what they're there for. And when the antitrust laws came through, with the Rockefeller uh, Oil Group, for instance, uh, they simply diversified themselves into a whole bunch of smaller uh, groups until you can't, you know, literally you have to wade through dozens and dozens of, of corporations to find out who owns them at the top. Same boys own them, but they diversified. But they also put in their money, uh, rather than pay taxes, into these foundations to get the cash raised. And they can invest in the cash from a foundation, and literally the books are closed to government. They accumulate trillions of dollars. And they have armies of non-governmental organizations 
some of whose CEOs get over a million, sometimes two million dollars. Wonderful for being a CEO for a charitable foundation that's messing with world affairs and advising all governments. Who gave them permission, special permission, to go and, and, and get instant access to politicians? Did you see that in anybody's charter or rights or anything? Just this is not there. So, again, the media, if they wanted to, could expose all that, but they won't because they're part of it too. But the information is definitely all out there. And here's one organization I'll mention tonight. It's called the Mission of Roadmap 2050. It's to provide a practical, independent, and objective analysis of pathways. You call them pathways, you see, techniques for each area. To achieve a low-carbon economy in Europe in line with the energy security, environmental, and economic goals of the European Union. This is a private organization. The Roadmap 2050 project is an initiative of the European Climate Foundation. See, Climate Foundation. And again, you heard some of the foundations yesterday I mentioned. There's thousands of them. Many of, most of them are actually fronts. Some of them are just uh, money laundering organizations that fund all the other ones so that they sound independent. But they work with governments. And, and who gave them permission to work with governments? Anyway, and it has been developed by a consortium of experts funding, funded by the European Climate Foundation. And they go into all their, their projects. It says, in addition, a wide range of companies, consultancy firms, research centers, and non-governmental organizations have provided various forms of assistance during the preparation of this report. I bet they have, since they'll do it all. But I'll put this link up tonight to give you just a, a, a simple example of one of them who are shaping the future and how you'll live, how much cash you'll have, how much you'll pay to taxes and carbon taxes and all the rest of it. And you don't get a chance to, to vote them in. Most people don't even know they exist. And the media, the general media, will keep it that way. Keep it that way. And we were going along on this crazy uh, current of global warming, of course, and uh, climate change, which covers everything, of course. And um, as we're having geoengineering uh, it ran through us openly now, they admit it, and they've been doing it for years, and they're dumping more sulfur into the atmosphere. Sulfur's an awful thing to breathe in. Never mind the, the barium and the aluminum oxide and, and other things they've been doing for years as well. But sulfur, you, you don't want to breathe sulfur in. And they know darn well uh, the effects it has on the, the health of the public. They know darn well. They've done all the tests for about 100 years. They've known what sulfur does to you when you breathe it in. They've known for centuries what sulfur does when they work in, in mines, the guys who go through sulfur. They know what it does. But there is a eugenical... Um, they can't just come out and say, we want to poison and kill you to depopulate the planet. Uh, they just say, we're going to do this to save you. Isn't that a beautiful doublespeak and, and you've got a mind bend? Most folk can't, can't fathom it out once their mind is bent, you see. And they bend your mind all the time. Frozen continent, Europe's rivers, lakes, and even the seas are iced over as bitter Siberian cold leads to temperatures of almost 40 degrees centigrade below. That's zero. Uh, that's minus. Minus 40 centigrade. It says, you'd be forgiven for thinking these stunning vistas lay deep in the heart of, of Antarctica, but they are in fact what's become of the European landscape as temperatures plummet to nearly minus 40 centigrade, the coldest snap in decades. Rivers, lakes, beaches, and even seas have been iced over by a Siberian freeze, uh, creating some incredible sights, but also more tales of tragedy. And 
And it says, um, thousands enjoyed a day out on the frozen lake, uh, uh, oh, I can't even pronounce that. It's, it's Fefe Kersey near Zurich, Switzerland today, while ice anglers looked more like Eskimos as they braved the conditions on a Polish reservoir. And it says, but in southern Kosovo, nine people were killed when an avalanche hit the, the village of Restelica, officials said Sunday, adding to more than 500 killed in snow and bitter cold across the continent in the past two weeks. 500 dead. And Poland, the interior ministry, said 20 people died in the past 24 hours because of the freezing weather, bringing the toll there so far this year to at least 100. And Britain gets thousands every year that can't afford to heat themselves. And we have to get used to this as they cut back and put the cost of heating yourself up and up and up for global warming. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're back cutting through the matrix and and talking about the global warming that we're having this winter. And it's quite quite an article, this too, about the freezing temperatures 40 below uh, and uh, in Europe and lots of people dying. Uh, rivers are iced over, lakes iced over, and even parts of the seas are iced over. It's just, uh, there's also lots of avalanches too. It's just Kosovo avalanche enveloped about 15 houses Saturday, but only two were occupied at the time. There's people missing, etc. Number of dead now is nine there, and I believe there's still one missing person. Um, temperatures have plummeted in parts of Europe close to minus 40 degrees Celsius. In the coldest February snap the region has seen in decades, meteorologists say it could last till the end of the month. In Kosovo, three people died. Two children were injured on Thursday when a gas can the family was using for heating exploded. We, we wouldn't allow that here. We'd had a SWAT team and killed them first before it blew up. But anyway... Kosovo's government ordered schools to remain closed for another week with more snow expected and many inhabited areas are completely cut off. In neighbouring Montenegro, the government imposed a state of emergency late on Saturday after snow blocked roads and railways across most of the country and three people have died so far. More than 50 people have been stranded in a train in Montenegro's north for more than two days as emergency crews struggled to rescue them. And it goes on and on and on. Uh, Montenegro's north, the snow is 2.3 metres deep, while authorities have banned all private traffic in the capital, uh, Podgorica, where snow is almost a metre, three feet deep, and more is forecast Sunday. Serbia declared a state of emergency last week. 19 people have died in the cold snap so far. And, of course, it says the current says damage from the cold weather may cost the country more than 500 million euros which is $660 million. More than 2,000 industrial businesses have been idled to limit the strain on coal-fired power plants and hydropower plants, which were struggling because of the build-up of ice. And the government also ordered the closure of all schools, etc., etc. Well, they want to get rid of the coal, too, of course. It's the big agenda for the world, and so you have carbon-free, etc. And uh, it's going to be awfully interesting how that they, they manage to do this without any carbon. Mind you, they still want to breathe you, uh, tax your breathing for CO2 uh, with all the fake science. But it's, it's a political agenda. That's why the science doesn't make sense. Uh, it's a political agenda. It's nothing to do really with, with science. But they're going to try and use that as a big stick to get us to buckle into the global warming. We always find that, that CO2 follows rising sea temperatures. Follows it, not precedes it. Or, uh, it, that's the way it is. 
Now, <laughs> Monsanto, this great massive monster, which every government, obviously long before the public heard about it, were given some sort of um, rights to do whatever they wanted to do, even using their own private police forces to plant stuff on people's lands and, and hound farmers out of business by massive lawsuits for their GM food, etc., all their corn and, and different things. I mentioned it yesterday. That was the first time now they've actually been successfully sued for poisoning people. As a French court Monday declared U.S. biotech giant Monsanto guilty of chemical poisoning of a French farmer. That's the start of it, you see. A judgment which would lend weight to other health claims against pesticides. In the first such case heard in court in France, uh, Green Power Paul Francois says he suffered neurological problems including memory loss, headaches and stammering after inhaling Monsanto's Mon.N Lasso Weed Killer 2004. He blames the agribusiness giant for not providing adequate warnings on the product uh, label. The ruling was given by a court in Lyon, southern France, which, uh, southeast France, which ordered an expert opinion of Francois's losses to establish a sum of damages, and lawyers from Monsanto could not immediately be reached for a comment. Previous health claims from farmers have foundered because of difficulty establishing clear links between illnesses and exposure to pesticides. You see, Monsanto's made it, got again a strange legal deal with all, every country to go ahead regardless. And uh, you're not in, allowed to independently test the stuff in, in private laboratories. And every judge in the land's been told to always be on Monsanto's side. That happened in Canada. Because, you see, the big elite have sat up there in their ivory towers and have said, oh, you know, the, the population is just too big. Too, even though all the Western countries are dying off and we would be, we'd be in awful straits if it wasn't for immigration. They admit that themselves. Again, they're, they're double think, double speak. Too many people, but we need all these immigrants in to pay the future taxes and pay off the debts. And, um, and, and at the same time, they say there's going to be terrible way, uh, it's going to be terrible to feed them in the future because the, there's less farms. Well, there's less farms because the, the government's helped put so many out of business by, by backing even financially backing these big agri-food businesses, these big chains of farms. As they put people under, they take them over. And uh, there's only five agri-food businesses on the go, you see. So then what did they do once they put the small farmers out of business? And it's the small farmers, by the way, that got people through the, the Great Depression, as they call it. Because every town and city was surrounded by small farms. And you could at least get there. And if you did anything to trade, whatever, you could, you could manage to hopefully survive. You don't have that now. Gone. And again, with interdependence, global interdependence, we have to import so much food from abroad. Actually tell you that, what your quotas are going to be to grow. This is a planned society. You can't just go in and say, I want to be a farmer. No, the government's going to say, do we really need another one? Or do we want another one? Because we've signed treaties to import it from so-and-so. Understand what's happening here. Nothing happens by itself. It's all done through treaties. Anyway, he says, I'm alive today, says this farmer, but part of the farming population is going to be sacrificed and is going to die because of this, Francois 47 told Reuters. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
Hi, folks, and back. We're cutting through the matrix. I'm just going to touch on Fukushima nuclear plant. It says the, the operator of the Fukushima nuclear plant has began injecting water and, and more water into one of the reactors after the core temperature rose above Japan's safety limit. That was in the 14th. Anyway, it says uh, it roasted 82 degrees Celsius over the weekend, highest level since the reactor was put into a state of cold shutdown two months ago. And operator TEPCO insists there has been no nuclear reaction and that the reactor can be controlled. But it's interesting at the top, they've got related stories. Japan betrayed citizens over radiation danger and radiation levels, etc. And, and they even lose track at one, one story of a radioactive uh, radio, it says cows here. I don't get that one. I haven't looked at that one. I have to look that one up and see what happens. I guess I put them into the food chain and uh, they don't know what's happened to it. So anyway, that's happening in Japan, of course. But one thing I just want to touch on quickly is, uh, and I've seen all this before under globalism. Uh, it happened in Britain. It's happened in Canada. It's happened in the States. It's happened in other countries now that uh, even the Far East Pacific Rim conglomerate, they're all under, under the, 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 the mandate of this global system. And this is what you see, because uh, India, you see, uh, is, is getting financed by us. We've, our tax money goes to, and this is what they mean, uh, redistributing the wealth of the, of the nations across the world. That's the Marxian concept. We're doing that now. And uh, we've been taxed more to give to India. And we're even build, still building hospitals in China. Canada's still working, um, building their, their power supplies in, in China. And places like that. No doubt Brazil too, but they'll get massive grants from us, you see, as we go under. But here's the, the, the irony, and, and it's so disgusting what they do to workers. Uh, and here's a place, it's Australia, you see. Axed workers, and they're getting axed, they're getting fired, they're on, you know, working out their time. Train Indian replacements. It says, sacked at Telstra staff are being forced to train the Indian help desk operators who will replace them. More than 250 local staff have gone in the latest round of staff cuts, which have totaled more than 2,000 in recent years. Operators from an Indian outsourcing company are already in Melbourne being trained. Len Cooper from the Telecommunications Union says staff were instructed by the union not to cooperate, but Telstra found a way around it. And uh, this is the typical thing that you see. Imagine being forced to train people who are going to put you out of a job because of globalism and international treaties. And here's one of the biggest things here, too. You understand this was in the 80s and uh, the 90s. We, we had groups from every country, Canada included, in the States as well, working in a place in France to do with this, this investment in other countries where they can bring in their own staff to work and everything else and own people, workers and everything, and pay them their own wages so they were back in their own country. Indian Group plans Queensland's biggest coal mine. I've touched on this before, but it's, it's going underway now. An Indian conglomerate is planning to build Queensland's biggest coal mine west of Rockhampton in the state's central region, including a new town, runway, railway, and port facilities. The whole kit and caboodle they're building themselves. Mind you, they're getting aid from all of us to do so. The Adani Group has proposed a new open-cut and underground mine, mostly on the Murray Downs cattle station, 100 kilometres north of Emerald. The company has finalised the purchase of the cattle property from Grazier Graham Acton. The cost of construction is expected to be at least $6 billion, and the mine would produce about 60 million tonnes per year, with a mine life of more than a century. If it goes ahead, Adani says it will be the largest investment by an Indian company in Australia. But it goes on to say they're bringing in their own workers to do the mining, they're building a town for their own workers to live in. They're shipping all the coal uh, out um, and, and all the stuff out of, of, of the country. 
uh, to India, who's allowed to burn coal for the next 20 years until uh, that part of the treaty is up for them, where China's the same. They they can extend it too. They can pollute as much as they want for another 20 years if they apply to the World Trade Organization. That was the treaty that they signed. Well, we have to cut back on ours and just freeze, you see. So anyway, that's the sort of thing that's happening in Australia and elsewhere. While we pay these, these companies in India, they call them uh, uh, uprising powers, as call them, um, through treaties that they've signed, we pay them uh, and we, we, we subsidize their companies. Amazing, isn't it? See, the Danny officials are talking to the federal government about special visas to fill jobs with overseas workers. That's your free trade deals, folks. See, you don't have countries anymore. You don't have politicians on any party uh, that isn't a globalist. That, that they're all globalists. That's the only, the only party there is, the globalist party. You might say that. And so why are you voting still thinking you've got a country that's going to help and protect you and your jobs? That's not happening, obviously. Their actions betray their mouths, doesn't it, don't they? And, and Canada, too. As his Canadian Prime Minister Stephen Harper said, is committed to diversifying energy exports to countries such as China while pledging to press Beijing on human rights. Well, they always say that as he forged ahead with deeper economic ties. Now, forging ahead with deeper economic ties are the same terms he used with the free trade agreements when they were combining Britain into Europe uh, from the 70s onwards. They're signing things for deeper ties. I mean, total integration, for those who don't know what it means. Harper told the business dinner at Gangzhou he would push for the construction of new infrastructure needed to ship the country's oil to China. So we'll pay for that, I guess, as part of efforts to take the economic partnership to the next level. Put partnership. An economic partnership to the next level. All, all kind of esoteric, isn't it? The Canada hold, and Canadians don't even know their own country. Canada's the holder of the world's third largest oil reserves. And you were paying the highest price for gasoline. You know, we, we ship it to the States and they can get gasoline a lot cheaper there than we can in Canada. I was looking at, 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 at four quarts or, or a gallon or so of oil for, for this, just engine oil. It was 17 or 18 dollars plus tax on top of it. That's what we pay in Canada. And we're the third largest oil reserves here. It's seeking to reduce its reliance on the U.S. after President Barack Obama rejected Trans-Canada Corps' 7 billion Keystone XL pipeline to ship Canadian oil to the Gulf Coast. Canada sends 99% of its oil exports to the U.S. Can you believe that? And we're, pay, we're paying all this stuff here, high energy, high energy. We want to sell our energy to people who want to buy our energy, Harper said at dinner. It's that simple. Is, uh, he said his country's quest for new markets won't curtail its willingness to raise human rights. Oh, they also do that. They always say this kind of stuff in the, in the things. Anyway, he says he China to be responsible. Global citizen security issues, etc., etc. And he wants them to really take over their, their proper place, of course, on the United Nations. That means getting their troops into action along with NATO. That's what that means, etc. So, so there you are. And, and Canada, literally, that's all we seem to be doing now is selling natural resources. That's always the fact. Some of the factories have gone to China, and um, and then you've got all the environmentalist movements from outside, the globalist ones, founded by the foundations, trying to stop Canada selling anything at all to anybody. They want us to go back to the, the Stone Age, I think. 
which actually they do. And of course these folk will be living in Canada and we're freezing our butts off here either. It's just amazing, this is part of the eugenics obviously, and I mentioned that last night, all these incredibly wealthy foundations that are owned by the big corporations as well, and the big international bankers, and their armies and armies and armies of non-governmental organizations who literally want to return Canada and the States back to some kind of primeval wilderness with no people on it. They've actually said it, some of them, like friends of the earth. Quite something. Another big NGO. And just before we go to the callers, this article here, they've appointed a, a supreme commandant for Australia, Australia's uh, laws to do with the carbon taxes and so on. Ms. Munro says a former executive director at Telstra and current chair of the National Water Commission will have at her disposal 350 staff with powers to audit companies' carbon emissions and the number of permits they buy even and, and even enter and search their premises. As, I guess looking for carbon, maybe plastic bags, it's little pokes you put them in and tie them in the top. As Senate estimates hearing was told this week that $17.8 million has so far been spent on operating costs and capital outlays, including a controversial $200,000 in corporate branding. Companies that fail to buy and surrender enough permits face penalties ranging from a 30% markup on the $23 a tonne carbon price. It's all fictitious, you know. Scribbling with pens and pencils and so on. If they come up with a short of permits to a $1.1 million fine in cases of fraud. Now, Europe is in an utter mess now with the carbon uh, funds because the big bankers are hoping they rake in trillions, and, but the whole thing is collapsing in Europe. But here's the, the, the crazy ones who run in Australia, the Fabian socialists, pushing for all there too, as companies are going under one by one by one, as I mentioned last night. Incredible. It's just incredible, you know. It's like it's like being it's like saying we can all put our hands in fire and we and we will not get burned. It's a new law we've just decreed it. And, and, and you keep trying, you keep burning yourself, and you keep trying. How long do you have to keep burning yourself before you say this is not working? Hmm? But that's government for you. Once I put something in your law, that's it. Now I'll go to the callers now and. Um, there's George from Ontario on the line. Are you there, George? Hello, yes. Yes, go ahead. Hi, uh, I really like your show. I'd like to uh, just say that um, um, your information is very, very useful. And, uh, you know, who actually uh, use it and, uh, you know, use it to their advantage. I mean, uh, for example, I was um, I was uh, reading uh, Winners and Losers, and it... Yeah. it Definitely explained the the new Android phones, the iPod, and everything. And I remember reading about that actually in Popular Science back in 2002 when they were first coming out. So it was basically just like a, here we are, we're starting that. That's one what's going to happen. Yes. Uh, another point I wanted to actually ask you about was um, uh, suburbia. Yeah. Uh, which basically I think it, it seems like it's uh, engineered to be that way. You know, higher class. Yes, it uh, is suburban. Places, especially in Canada here, where we have, you know, around Toronto as well, mm-hmm. where, you know, very low culture. Uh, I find the younger people are really isolated and very, very high rates of drug use. Oh, I know. Both among males and females, especially among the university students. Yes. I was wondering, is that something that was engineered or just due to the lack of parenting? No, no, it was engineered. I've done shows on, on the, 
the history of drug use on the West, uh, coupled with the music industry and the movies and so on. And, uh, and uh, they're quite lengthy, some of them. In the archives section, you'll find some. But uh, no, this, this is the agenda. Uh, total demoralization is part of it, you understand. The creation of apathy, Bertrand Russell said, which will create massive apathy once we've destroyed the family unit and the people are dependent on welfare and they'll have a hopeless outlook on life. He says, then, then they'll be apathetic. Then we can mold them because they'll go to anything that claims it's going to help them, which is government. You know. So uh, this was all engineered this way. You're quite right. I remember in, in the suburbs uh, down in Toronto, uh, I couldn't walk my dog eventually because there's so many syringes uh, in, the, in the back alleys where the, where the garages are, and, and part, you just couldn't walk your dog. There's syringes everywhere, and, and youngsters. It's just like Scotland and England and elsewhere where they've done the same thing, where you see youngsters sitting on, on the steps in front of the front doors, injecting into their legs. You know, I'm talking about ten and eleven year olds, some of them. Yeah, and, uh, especially the, the more higher class uh, suburban areas. Where, where isolation is very high, as well as depre- the depression rates. Yes. Has there been any mention of that, where they would use that to isolate the people? Yeah, they would. They would use all, all techniques. Um, you understand, techniques also includes, as I say, movies, uh, TV. Uh, keep them in the house. Don't have them mixed with neighbors, etc. And uh, and that helped, again, to further isolate them. And, and in fact, it pretty well destroyed society. The isolation, no one comes together as a community or even chats to each other about what's happening in their community. No, definitely. You can, you can see that here. Yes. Uh, people barely know their next door neighbors. They don't know. They're very rare to even know their first name around, uh, around yes. these fights. That's right. So it's all been done on purpose because if you don't mix and talk about the problems of the neighborhood, then then nothing gets done about it. Obviously. So, 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 so governments free to do what they want, even local governments. And believe you me, these drugs are not coming in, um, in little bits and pieces. These drugs from the beginning have been shipped in, uh, by the big powers themselves. Especially I've noticed that marijuana is very, very, very popular among, the, I mean, I'm around 23 and almost everybody, I would say around 90% of the people actually use it, especially among the university students. Yes, and, and they make sure of that too. It's a big joke about being pleased, and, and they know that too. But, uh, but, but, but yeah, uh, marijuana simply for a lot of people, uh, you can't function properly on marijuana. They know what it does. They know its long-term effects, and the it, it does dull the sharpness of the mind even once you're off it. If you've been a long-term user, definitely. Yeah. And and it's like they uh, they have a disconnect between the older people. It's like the the younger people don't uh, notice what effect it's had on them. And it's like, oh, you know, I'll smoke it for now and I'll be fine in 20 years. Yeah, that's not, And don't forget, too, they've been genetically engineering this stuff for years. It's not the old stuff either, you know. They've been really... It was the military who developed the higher forms of... Uh, <laughs> they've been at that, too, as well, eh? <laughs> Yes. And so what else is it doing to your brain? But they, they know darn well. It blunts your affect, number one. Uh, it, it blunts your, your, your drive to, to get on and, and do things, you know. And, uh, and, and the after effects too can, can help augment uh, apathy in a depressive situation in society. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing's by chance. Nothing is by chance, you know. And, uh, they always go after, they've always gone after the small guy on the street who, who sells a couple of tokes. But they don't go after the stuff coming in in massive bales and special ships with permits. And yeah, I, mean, I found it amazing that they're going after wealthier, younger people as well. I mean, 
people whose parents are making close to half a million to a million dollars a year. Yes. It's very, very popular among them as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's always good for law. Law is a business, remember, too. And they're quite happy to do that. And the more crime they can have on the books, oh, we caught so many this year, the better it looks for them. They hire more guys and, and expand in it as an internal army. So you need that, of course, for the cops. But um, I can remember even when LSD was coming out big time when I was really, really small. And it was on the television then that uh, there were limousines coming around the universities and all over Britain and throwing sacks of them for free over the walls to the students. That's how they got it started. And then they got the, the rock stars on television stoned out their heads, tripping out, falling off the seats. And these Eton interviewers, they're all from Eton in Britain, uh, the upper class, interviewing them and laughing and saying, well, tee hee, isn't this naughty? And, and that's how they, they sold it to the public. And, and they, uh, why would the elites be pushing this on the general public? Yeah, exactly. I've actually watched a, 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 um, an interview with Pete Doherty from, from uh, England. Yes. And they're still at it with that as well. Yes, oh, they're still at it, all right, yeah. But I've literally seen this happen, and, and uh, I've seen the guys fall off the seats. And they just have a little laugh about it. The guy's wasted. Do you want to live with a wasted person? Would you like that for a dad, you know? Or, or the woman is a mother, for that matter? It's like they don't make them think about that far, though. It's like they basically think uh, in, in, in short intervals of a week or a month. Yes, and what it does, LSD and so on, I mean, it, it does go for the memory, uh, uh, absolutely. Flashback. I've seen guys having flashbacks with a half pint of beer years after getting off it, you know. But, uh, but thanks for calling and call again. Yeah, no problem. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and we'll go to Mark from Wisconsin, who tried to get through last night. Are you there, Mark? Hey. Yes? Uh, Alan, I, hey, I was wondering why uh, that Republican James A. Traficant went to prison, and I ran across some uh, information that he presented to the House of Representatives. I've mm-hmm. got about five sentences here. Could I read it to you? Yeah, read it. I've heard it before, but I, go ahead, yeah. Okay. The receivers of the United States bankruptcy are the international bankers via the United States, the World Bank, and the International Monetary Fund. All United States offices, officials, and departments are now operating within a de facto status in name only under emergency war powers. With the constitutional Republican form of government now dissolved, the receivers of the bankruptcy had adopted a new form of government for the United States. This new form of government is known as democracy, being an established socialist communist order under a new governor for America. This act was instituted and established by transferring or placing the office of Secretary of Treasury to that of the governor of the International Monetary Fund. Public Law 94-564, page 8, section HR 13955, reads in part, the U.S. Secretary of Treasury receives no compensation for representing the United States. And I looked that up, too. The uh, Secretary... Uh, the Treasury is paid by the IMF, Alan. Yeah, I, I, the thing is, too, uh, that was confirmed in the 1950s uh, with the Rees Commission, the Rees Commission that was sent by Congress to investigate the tax-free foundations that were running the country. And uh, at that time, too, um, uh, 
a few years later, quickly came out with his book and said the Royal Institute of International Affairs, or the American brand CFR, is running the country. The bankers funded the communists. The whole idea was to bring in a socialist system because they can run a socialist system and, be, and get all the cash they want much easier than going through um, uh, separate countries that are literally independent. So under a world socialist system, all they have to do then is, is go, go to the government, put their own men in, in government, uh, like the IMF receivers. There's also... Guys in government, the U.S. has them, we all signed it in 1946 uh, in San Francisco, the United Nations Agreement. Um, every country signed to put in the overseas um, economics department in as well. That person who's appointed to that position is also the director of the International Monetary Fund for your country. So what they do is they take your cash, put it abroad into other banks, supposedly to help third world countries, and then the same person uh, gets the IMF to get the cash back from that country over a period of time. When they default, uh, you, the American or Canadian or whoever it is that's been put down as guarantor, has to pay that off. Then they give them another loan. And Quigley also said that the Bank of International Settlements is to be the world power for this whole, whole global structure with the International Monetary Fund as its strongman behind it. They come in and bring you to poverty as they collect the cash that they want. So this is how they're controlling the whole world. The bankers created communism, and um, it's far more efficient for them to run the world. Remember Rockefeller said it was far better that the world be ruled by an intelligentsia and, and bankers rather than leaving it to the sovereign, sovereign determination of individual nations, the future. You know. So you're there. We've been here for years and years and years, and every president and prime minister since the quickly said the late 1800s has been a member of this, organ, this globalist organization. Uh, you can go into so many U.S. presidents, um, and they're all members of the CFR and Trilateral Commission, and sometimes it comes out after they've left office. Uh, Truman always read the, the poem, you know, the, the, the World Parliament of Man in every speech from Shelley. So they've all been globalists and federalists, and apparently what it seems to be left-wing, but it's a socialist plan society uh, full of eugenicists and superior types, they think. They think. They claim to be superior. But thanks for calling, and maybe Kay, call on tomorrow if you can. From, from Hamish, myself, from Tier Canada, it's good night, me, your God or your gods go with you.